Amen. Thank you, Pastor Travis. If it's your desire to be God's completely, we say amen. And I think that's all of our desires this morning. Thank you, Pastor Travis. That was great. Well, good morning. So good to see you all here this morning. For those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Jared. I'm the pastor to daycare, families, and staff here at C1 NAS. Um, it's just a joy to be with you this morning. I trust you had a great Christmas. It's good to see you back. Um, this morning, if you have your Bibles with you, if you wouldn't mind turning um, to 2 Kings 4, that's where we're going to be spending all of our time today. So you can flip there and kind of keep your fingers stuck in that um, page because we're going to be looking at different passages there, 2 Kings 4. Um, the central character in this passage we're going to be looking at is Elisha. He's the prophet Elisha. Um, and just a few chapters before chapter 4, Elisha's teacher, Elijah, had just been taken up into heaven in a whirlwind. Um, he left Elisha behind. Um, so Elisha uh, went through a period of grieving. He was saddened. He was disheartened at the loss of his good friend and teacher, Elijah. Um, but the scripture tells us that the spirit of Elijah rested on Elisha. And so he continued their ministry just like any good protege. So here, this passage we're looking at today is one of Elisha's first ministry, opportunity, ministry opportunities that he has on his own. So let's go ahead and just jump in. Second Kings 4, it says this. The wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your, your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of oil. Elisha said, Go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Now, this story may be familiar to you. You may have heard this story multiple times and read it through um, in your daily readings. Um, but as I read this familiar story and I was thinking about uh, what God would have me and praying about what God would have me preach this morning, he let me see this passage with new eyes. So my prayer is that for all of us who may have read this passage before or heard it before, that we would all just see this with new eyes and hear anew and fresh what God has to speak to us through this passage. So let's go ahead and look at uh, just the first couple verses there. Second Kings 4, the wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? So here we have a widow. She's at the end of her rope. She doesn't have uh, much left uh, to do. She doesn't have any choices. She's experienced the tragic loss of her husband. She finds herself in crippling debt, and now she faces the risk of having her children taken away from her and sold into slavery. To say that this woman should be worried would be an understatement, but look at what she does. In what seems to be a last-ditch last effort, the widow opens up her front door, and she cries out to this prophet that is passing in front of her house. But I don't think that Elijah's appearance on the scene was just merely a coincidence. I think that what we can learn from this passage is that God showed up right on time. God showed up right when the widow needed him most. Here we have a widow that's telling Elijah, uh, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as slaves. Scripture 
Um, this text makes it sound as if the creditor is literally on his way to the widow's house. That he is walking down her sidewalk on his way to take her two boys away. Time is running out, but that's exactly when God shows up on the scene. Can I remind you this morning that God is never, ever late. His timing is always perfect. It may have seemed to the widow that, that time was running out and that she was running out of time, but God had a plan. And he knew what he was going to do and when he was going to do it. You may find yourself in similar circumstances today. Maybe you find yourself at the end of the road. You may feel like time is running out in your personal circumstances. We've been talking a lot about waiting these past few Sundays. Maybe you're still waiting and you feel like time is running out. There may be a situation you've been praying and praying and praying for. But it doesn't seem like God is ever going to act and it doesn't seem like anything is going to happen in your situation. I just want to remind you this morning that even though you might feel like the widow, you feel like the creditor is literally on his way to your house. I want to remind you today that even though you feel like you're running out of time, God does not feel that way. God wants you to know that he is still in control and that his timing is still perfect. Just because you're waiting on God doesn't mean that God isn't working in your circumstances even now. Just like how he sent Elijah, Elisha, just when the widow was most desperate, just when she most needed God, how he sent Elijah when the widow most needed him. God is going to work in your situation right when you need him most. So God may be asking you to wait right now. The widow was in this period of waiting before Elijah walked up on her doorstep. You have to trust that God has it under control, that his spirit is working behind the scenes of your circumstances. So be still, don't take back the reins. Instead, lie back in the confidence of your good and your faithful God who is in control and whose timing is always perfect. As I thought about this, this idea of God's timing is always perfect, I'm always reminded of this time, and it wasn't uh, that long ago, honestly. I was still at Trevec, I was still in college, um, and I had a roommate and my best friend. We were staying in an apartment together um, off campus. We were staying there for a few months. Um, and it was during this time that I was going through a really dark period of my life. I was experiencing um, a lot of stress. I was, I was under a lot of stress. I didn't have much t personal time. I was super busy. I was insecure for some reason. I felt a lot of insecurity. Um, and I was overcome with feelings of loneliness. This was a period of my, of my life that I went through. I just wasn't in a good spot emotionally. And I was calling out to God almost every night. God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I feel this, but I need you to lift me out of this pit because I can't, I can't take this loneliness anymore. Please help me, God. And I was praying that every single night. And I lived off campus with my roommate. And just like when it seemed like it couldn't get any worse, my roommate uh, left and ditched out um, practically in the middle of the night. Not because of anything I did, um, but he found better opportunities elsewhere, and he left in the middle of the night. And so I came home from work one day, and he was gone, and he took uh, a lot of the stuff that uh, I needed, and he, took, uh, he left the apartment uh, in a mess, and I came home uh, to an empty apartment. He left me with a rent I couldn't afford. He left with a, me with a mess that I had to clean up, and he left me with an empty apartment in one of the loneliest periods of my life. And I remember when I walked in that empty apartment um, late at night, I got really, really mad at God. I cried out to him in anger, and I prayed to him, and I told him how lonely I was, and, 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 how, and how this is how you answer my prayer, God, by taking away the only friend I had. And I didn't have a lot of money at the time, and so I knew there was no way that I could afford the entire rent, because we had been splitting the rent up until this point. 
And after a quick, quick survey of the apartment, I noticed he took a lot of like the necessities that I had needed. Um, the most pressing of, I kind of made a list of all these things that he took that I needed. And the most pressing uh, of which, which might sound a little weird, was a shower curtain. He took a shower curtain, which is just so, I don't know why, but he felt like he needed to take that. So I was like, well, that's like the thing I need to get ready in the morning to go to school. So I was like, I need a shower curtain. And I didn't have that much money um, to spend, but I went to Walmart at like 10 o'clock at night to pick up a shower curtain. And the whole way to Walmart, I was just really mad at God, and I was crying out to him. And, and, and can I just tell you right now that it's okay to tell God how you really feel? You're not going to hurt his feelings if you tell him. He already knows how you feel. Um, so I was telling God how I feel. I tell him how, how I felt by the circumstances, getting really mad. I was like, God, how could you do this to me? And I pull into Walmart, and I step out of my car. It's like, okay, I'm going to go buy a shower curtain with money I don't have. And I look down, and there on, on, the, on the ground of the parking lot is this. is a $20 bill. That's not the actual picture. I found that on Google, but it looked just like that. <laughs> just like, thanks, God. And I snapped a picture. No, this I found on Google. Um, so uh, I stepped out of my car, and there I see a $20 bill laying on the, on the ground of an empty Walmart parking lot at 10 o'clock at night. I think that God used this money, and I took that money. I bought a shower curtain. I truly believe that that money was God showing me that he was still with me, even in this dark period of my, time, my life. It was God telling me that his timing is still perfect. He provided right what I needed, right on time, right when I needed it most. And I won't go into all the details of how all this worked out in this period of my life, but he did that over and over and over again. He showed up and he showed up and he worked and he worked. God is always, always, always on time. So let's keep moving. Verse 2, Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of oil. After God showed up, it's important to see the widow's response. She gave what little that she had. It's clear that she cherished this small jar of oil. I mean, it was her only possession. And it would have been so easy for her when Elijah said, tell me, what do you have to keep that a secret? You know, maybe she, she felt like that Elijah would make her sell this little uh, jar of oil to pay off her debt. And she didn't want to do that because that was her only possession and she cared a lot about it. So she might have kept it secret. Or um, maybe she felt like it was insignificant. Like, why should I even tell him about that small, small jar of oil? It's not that much anyway. What could it possibly do? Or maybe she would have felt like it was like a security blanket. It's the only thing she has left. So she's going to keep it to herself. But instead, she gave it over willingly. She gave what little that she had. And I think that we can learn a lot from the widow's actions here. I think that just like the widow, each of us is lacking in one way or another. Some of us, like the widow, we might be lacking materially. We might be lacking financially right now. You might be strangled by debt, and you might be struggling to put food on the table. Or maybe you're not lacking materially, but you're lacking physically. You just can't get around like you used to. You're just tired all the time. Um, You don't have the strength that you once had. Others of us might be lacking in the time that we have to give. We just don't have that much time between work and family and all of our other commitments that are pulling us different directions. We just don't have that much time to give. Some of you might be lacking emotionally. You've been heartbroken, you're suffered, you're saddened, you're depressed, you're lonely, you're anxious. You lived through dark days for so long that the days of sunshine are few and far between. You're lacking emotionally. You just don't have that much to give emotionally. We each are lacking in one way or another. We feel like we can't give of our strength or our time or our emotions or our finances. 
But look at how the widow, look at what the widow does in Scripture. She willingly gives even what little that she has. She offers up this small jar of oil. I think that tonight God is speaking to each and every one of us, and he does this every single day. He speaks to you and says, tell me, what do you have? He's saying, give me what little that you have and watch how I can still use it. I think that you might be saying, but but Jaron, you don't understand. I mean, I only have a few hours in the work day. I only have a few hours in my day free. I just don't have that much time to give. But God is saying, just give me what little time you have and watch how I can use that for my glory and your good. Or you might be saying, but you don't understand. I just don't have the strength I used to. I just can't get around like I used to. I don't have, uh, I don't have much to give. Can I tell you this morning that God is reaching out his, your, his hand to you and says, just give me what little strength you have and watch how I can use you. Let me provide the strength. Watch what I can do. And you may be thinking that I just don't have that much to give emotionally. I'm just so sad all the time or I just get so angry or I don't know how, sometimes I just don't know how I feel. And God is saying, just hand over how you feel to me. Give me your emotions. Give me your anxiety. Give me your depression. Hand them over to me and watch me work. Watch me provide the joy and the peace that I promised. Watch me work, even despite what emotional strength you have. Or you may, might relate to the widow and be thinking that you don't have the resources or the finances. You're surrounded by debt. But God is saying, just give me what you have. He's saying, just give, me, give it over to me and watch me work. He's saying, dedicate your checkbooks to me. Give me your bank account. God is saying, let every financial and spending decision be filtered through me and my Holy Spirit. Watch me work through what little material possessions you have. This passage is saying we should give over what little strength, what little time, what little emotions, what little finances, what little possessions, what little we have, we should give over to God, and he will work. As I thought about this idea of how this widow just gave so little and God used it to, uh, in such a powerful way, I was reminded of a name, man named Iman. I think I have a picture of him. I met Iman when I was a missionary in Croatia for uh, three months. Um, Iman is from Egypt. He moved, he was a refugee from e- Egypt. He went to Croatia and he's, he was seeking a better life for his family. He has a wife and two kids. Um, but at this time that I met him, uh, his wife and his kids were still in Egypt. He hadn't seen them in over a year. Um, so I remember talking to him, and he was just really uh, disheartened that he hadn't seen his family in so long. He was getting discouraged, but he still always had a smile on his face. Um, and we were there, and we were in Croatia teaching English as a second language. Oh, and Iman went to the Nazarene church there in Croatia. We were teaching English as a second language at the refugee camp where Iman was. Um, and we would go out, we would travel there. It was about a 20-minute bus ride, and then we got another bus, and it was another 20-minute bus ride. And we would take these giant blankets that we would lay out um, in, in the field right outside the camp, and that's where we'd have our English class. And we also had a giant marker board. So we began to realize in the first couple of classes that carrying these giant blankets and this giant marker board on public transportation was a horrible idea. Um, so after we did this a couple of days, I began to notice how much we were struggling with all of our stuff, carrying it over um, every single day. So Iman said, you know, I don't have that much space. I don't have that much room, but I do have a little bit of room on my back, on, uh, in my room. And he said, if you want, you can keep, I'll keep your blankets and your marker board there. You still have to carry them back and forth. And we're like, oh my gosh, Iman, that'd be a huge help. Thank you so much. So we let him keep that. And every day we would come and Iman would already have the blankets laid out for us. And he'd already have the marker board set up and he'd just be sitting there with a smile on his face waiting for class to begin. It was such a huge help. Iman also 
um, in Egypt, he was a barber. So he was a really skilled barber. This was actually just after he gave me a, hair, a well overdue haircut when I was in uh, Croatia. Um, I was a great barber. And I think that when he came to, to be a refugee and he was staying at Croatia, just waiting in the refugee camp, I think he felt, maybe it felt um, that he, there was no point. Like his skills were going, being wasted because he's a refugee, he can't do anything. Um, but that wasn't true. I'm in, uh, offered free haircuts to anybody who needed one. Any refugee who needed a haircut, he would cut their hair because there was nobody that would do it. And all these uh, refugees went without haircuts. And it seems like a small thing, but it was a huge help. So uh, all, all throughout the day, people would come up to Ayman and he would put them on his schedule. And he would, all day he was either cutting hair or studying English. Um, and as I thought about that and I thought about this story, I think that just like Ayman, we're all called to give what little we have. Iman had such, a, he had a little bit, he had a little tiny room. I was in there, I went in there and I drank tea with him one day. It was such a small room. But he gave God that little room that he had and God used it to bless me and our team and he was able to keep that stuff for us. That was a huge blessing. God used Iman's little tiny room for his glory. And Ivan didn't have much, but he had these skills as a barber and it seemed like a useless skill now that he's a refugee. But he gave it to God all the same. And God used him to, uh, to bless all the refugees around him. And as he was cutting people's hair, he was able to talk about his faith and talk about Jesus. Iman didn't have much, but God used what little that he had. If you give God what little that you have, he will use it for your good and his glory, just like he did with Iman. It was the widow's job to offer up her small jar of oil, but it was God's job to work the miracle. So let's read on. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he said, there's not a jar left and the oil stopped flowing. We see here that the widow not only just gave what little that she had, but she acted faithfully. After offering up this small jar of oil, Elisha sends her on what seems to be a wild goose chase. I'm sure that the widow found it pretty uncomfortable to go to all of her neighbors and friends and ask for empty jars of oil. I'm sure people stared as she began stacking up these jars outside of her house. I mean, this just seemed crazy, but then, she goes on to have to, Elijah tells her to pour this small jar of oil into all these jars. So that seemed crazy in of itself, but this is really crazy. That makes no sense. It just didn't, doesn't add up. But the widow acted faithfully without question. Sometimes committing what little we have, committing our small jar of oil is the easy part. It's easy sometimes to give God what little that we have. It gets difficult when God asks us to take a step of faith. It's hard to act faithfully when God is calling us on what seems to be a wild goose chase. But if we act faithfully, God will work in a powerful, powerful way in our circumstances. Just like the widow, God will take what, she, what we have and use it for his purpose. If we commit to God what little we have and we follow God's leadings faithfully, we will see him work in ways that there's no way that we could take credit for. There's no way that the widow could take credit for all those full jars of oil that were sitting outside our house that day. There's no way she could take uh, credit for that. There's no explanation she could give. The only explanation she could give for the miracle that occurred is that God had shown up. As I thought about this, 
I was reminded just, just a few weeks ago um, about something that happened with Kendra, my sister. Uh, Kendra's a great singer, and sometimes she sings on the praise team. Um, and one Sunday, she woke up with a singer's worst nightmare, especially when they're meant to sing that day, and that's that she had lost her voice. She woke up, and her voice was cracking, and she couldn't hardly get a word out. Um, and I just imagined Kendra, when she woke up that day, just being terrified. She didn't know what to do. Um, but I also imagined her going throughout her day and just praying to God, and God, I don't know what to do now. I, I know that I was supposed to sing today, and I don't have a voice, so I don't know what I'm supposed to do. But she still felt that she needed to come and sing. It's just crazy. But she said, that she said that she still felt like she needed to come and sing, even though she didn't have a voice. And I talked to her before the service, and she went through the whole practice, and you couldn't, it was just, it was, she couldn't have a voice. And I talked to her before the service, and I could barely hear the words that she was saying. It was just like crackly and hoarse. But she still decided that she needed to sing during the service. So she felt like that's that, what God was calling her to do. So she acted faithfully, and she got up on the Sunday that you see here on the screen. And what, what occurred that Sunday, um, I don't think that anybody uh, who didn't talk to her noticed, but what occurred that su- Sunday was nothing short of a miracle. When Kendra, the service started, Kendra began to sing. It was as if nothing had happened that morning. She went through perfectly fine, and she had a clear singing voice. It was like she had never lost her voice in the first place. There wasn't a crack. There wasn't a cough. Her voice was back. And it wasn't until the service had ended that she came up to me, and I was like, how in the world were you able to sing when I talked to you before the service? You didn't even have a voice. And she couldn't speak again because her voice was gone again. Um, But through the cracks and the hoarseness, I heard her say, "Um, I don't know. I think that God was up to something. You see, God restored her voice for those moments so that he could get the glory. Just like the widow, there was no way that Kendra could take credit for what happened on this stage that Sunday. There's no way that Kendra could have taken credit for the miracle that had happened. God performed a miracle in which only he could get the praise. If we give God what little that we have, and we are faithful with what he calls us to do, we will see God work. But it takes faith. So let's go ahead and finish out this verse. God has just performed a miracle. The widow is in possession of all these countless numbers of jars. A miracle has just occurred in her life. And I want you to think about this. What would you do at this point? What would you do if, if a miracle had just happened and you have all these jars now and you have this crippling debt and the, slaver, the, slavers coming, the creditors coming to take away your kids as slave? What would you do? I know what I would probably do is like take a picture and sell them on Craigslist. Buy two, get one free. And just get them all out of here, get the money and sell off, uh, buy off my debt. Um, maybe you'd go down to the market and you'd sell all the jars of oil too and you'd get the money and pay off your debt immediately as quick as you could. The creditor's on the way. But look at what the, look at what the widow does. Verse 6. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God. And he said, go and sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Do you see what happens? She doesn't immediately go and sell them. What does she do? When faced with a miracle, when God had answered her prayer, and she proved faithful, she has all this oil, she takes it back to Elijah and she waits her instructions. Only after she told Elisha what God had done did Elisha tell her to sell the oil to pay off her debts. You see, when the widow was blessed, she gave even her blessing back to God. This is the theme that kind of sandwiches this story that we're looking at. When the widow had little, she gave it over to God. And at the end of the story, when she has much, she once again, what does she do? She gives it over to God. Even after God answered prayer, she gave God the glory 
and she also gave him the return on her prayer investment. When God multiplied her oil, she gave it all back to God. I think that so many times after God answers our prayers and he blesses us with a bunch, the temptation can be to take ownership of it. The temptation can be that after we've received abundance, we use it how we see fit. I mean, he did give it to us after all, right? We can do whatever we want with it. But if we follow the widow's example in the scripture, even after God blesses us with provision, we still need to offer it up back to God. Um, We've talked a lot about our Honduras trip. It was a great time. Um, I was reminded of uh, a guy named Misael that we met in Honduras. In Honduras, most of the houses are dilapidated. They're made of sheet metal. It's a really poor area. Um, I have a couple of pictures of that, just kind of what the houses look like. Um, but all that, my idea of what a Honduran house looked like changed when I met Misael, and I was, had the opportunity with a few others uh, in this church to go to his house. His house was very different. He was a friendly man. He had a beautiful family. Um, and we went there. And there's just something different. His, he had a small, modest house, um, but it was surrounded by plants of all different kinds. Um, I think I have pictures. There's me standing by a banana tree. That's Messiah. Um, there's, like, there's like bananas, there's pineapples, there's coconuts. Um, on every angle, there's plants all around his uh, humble house. I mean, God had truly blessed Messiah and his family. No other house in Honduras that we saw looked like this. God had blessed Messiah with a nice home, with rich soil, with a lot of fruits and vegetables and the skills that he needed to be a great farmer to grow these vegetables and fruits. But even though Michael was blessed, he continued to give God the glory. He was also a very gifted piano player and, and he could hear a song once and play it from memory. And so he played, he offered his time and he served on the praise team. And he also was out there almost every single day helping us with the wall, giving him his own time to help us build that wall. Misael was blessed immensely. Um, but he continued to give what he had over to God again and again and again. He didn't let that blessing um, stop him. He was continually giving what he had to God. God used Misael to bless our team, and he used Misael to bless his church. And I'm sure he used him to bless countless numbers of other peoples that he came in contact with. And God can do the same with us. Allow God to use even your prosperity for his glory to bless others. So if you find yourself at the end of the rope and you feel like you're running out of time, I promise you that God is not late. God is going to show up right on time. Our job is to take what little that we have, our small jar of oil, what little that we have emotionally, financially, whatever it might be. If we act faithfully and follow his leadings, he promises to work in our situation. And guess what? Then we can begin the cycle all over again. And after he works, we're able to offer that up to him once again and watch him work again and again and again, always giving over to God. Our life should be defined by giving what we have to God. Whether it is little or whether it is much, we commit it to God. We should yield all that we have over to him. And if he chooses to multiply it, we once again give it to him. As we head into this new year, I think that it should be marked with our giving. As we head into this new year, will you let this be a year of continually giving over to God? Because I promise you that if you give God what little you have, and God promises you too, that if you give him what little you have, he will do immeasurably more than you can possibly imagine with what little that you give him. Because we've seen what he does with a widow's small jar of oil. 
And we can see in what he does with a lo- uh, five loaves and two fish. God can do more with what he get, we give him than what we can do ourselves. I want to end uh, today uh, with one of my favorite stories, and I love it. I'm going to try not to cry because he gets me every time. Um, I think that many of you uh, know Jaden. Um, Jaden's a little girl you might see her running around after the service. It's Rebecca Huckabee's granddaughter. Um, Jaden was born premature, and she was born with under, underdeveloped lungs. So it's really hard for her to breathe sometimes, and she doesn't get the oxygen she's supposed to. Um, so that means when it's, like, too cold outside or too hot, Jaden can't even go outside just because she just couldn't breathe. Um, she gets headaches a lot just because uh, she doesn't have the oxygen that she needs. Um, sometimes she'll be playing with friends, and, the, and, you know, little kids are always running around having fun with endless energy, but uh, Jaden just has to take a lot of breaks just because she can't catch her breath. Um, but I, I truly believe that if each and every one of us had the faith of what, that Jaden has, the world would be a better place. I mean, she has a faith in God like I've never seen before. Um, I'm sure Rebecca would love to tell you just all the many stories of Jaden's faith. Uh, but one of my favorites, Rebecca told uh, our small group class a few weeks ago. Um, her and Jaden went to a doctor's visit, and they were sitting in the waiting room. And uh, Jaden had this piece of paper, and she was writing on this piece of paper, just lines and lines, all the way across. She was writing just who God is. She was just writing it out. She would write things like, God is good all the time. Or, you know, God is always with you. God will never leave you. Just all down this piece of paper. Um, And so she was writing that on that piece of paper. And then the doctor called them back, and Rebecca and Jaden got up, and they were walking to the back. But Jaden stopped. And she had that, still had that piece of paper, and she ran back, and she laid the piece of paper in the seat of the room, uh, of the seat in the waiting room. And she ran back over to Rebecca. And Rebecca, Rebecca was like, why did you do that? Why did you leave your paper back there? And Jaden said, I just felt like someone needs to know who God is. You see, Jaden doesn't have much. She can't play like the other kids. She can't breathe. She has headaches. She doesn't have much to give. But what little that she has, she gives over to God. And God uses Jaden every single day to preach to her family members and to minister to kids around her and to minister to me. Even now, I'm about to cry just thinking about it. Jaden doesn't have much, but what she does have, she gives over to God. And Alyssa's going to come, and she's going to play the piano for us as we close the day. And I don't know where you are this morning. Um, maybe I'm gonna, we're going to open the altars here. Maybe you just want to come forward and you just want to dedicate this next year to God. You want to dedicate this year as a year that you're just going to give God what little that you have. The ups and downs of this next year. You're going to give him what little you have. And when he blesses you, you're going to give it all. Maybe you just want to give this year over to God. Maybe you find yourself in a period of waiting right now. And you just need to find peace in the fact that God's timing is perfect. And you just want to come down here and give that over to God once again. Maybe you find yourself at a loss of what to do in your situation, a loss of what to do with what little that you have. You don't have that much money. You don't have that much strength. You don't have that much emotional strength. But you want to come and you want to give what little that you have over to God and watch how he can work even through that. Will you come and give what little that you have? Or maybe you find yourself blessed this morning. God's worked in your situation. He's blessed you and your family. He's provided you with abundance. You just want to come and you want to give even that blessing over to God and give him the glory and the praise that he deserves. And you once once again want to come and offer what you have. 
we each have our own jars of oil. So I'm going to pray. After I pray, if you would come. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for all the many ways that you've blessed us, God. And I don't know where everyone is this morning, God, but you do. And some of us just don't have that much, God. And we're going to come. We're going to offer what little that we have to you, God. Or if we've been blessed, Lord, we just want to come and offer what we have to you. We trust that you're time for us. If you would just work in this moment. If you would come.